Hello, beautiful alchemist. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I'm your host, Yolanda. And today we are going to speak with a skeptic, (laughs) a skeptic named Rachel White. She is also known as the skeptical shaman. And we have a beautiful conversation that I'm sure will resonate with many of you. And we talk about a blend of topics. So get ready, sit back and Um, I'm really having fun this season. I hope you're enjoying these conversations as well. I feel like we're really getting to sit down with all of these teachers and authors and healers, practitioners to really get a sense of who they are, even beyond just the work that they do. So I am having so much fun with this. But before we get into the episode, there are a few things that I do want to let you know. Um, Of course, I believe many of you have heard of the Reiki Rays Global Healing Summit. Well, the eighth annual Reiki Rays Global Healing Summit has just launched, and I had the pleasure of being a co-host again this year, and there are over 30 interviews for you to learn from. But I want to clarify something for all of you because I've received a few messages asking, is it free or do I have to pay for it? you have the option of both. So this is how it works. The Reiki Rays Global Healing Summit is free. You can access it for free. In fact, you can register to access the summit right now. You can go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com, and you will see the links to register on the homepage. And if you decide to register for free, You will get access to four videos right away. And then when the official launch happens in November, on November 11th, you will get, you will have the ability to watch the videos that are released each day for 24 hours. So over the course of the summit, it's about a week long. And on each day, there are five to six interviews that are released. And on the day that you know, the five or six are released, you have 24 hours to watch them for free. So it is free. (laughs) However, it can be a lot to watch five interviews in one day. I mean, let's be honest, there's a lot to take in. So if you want to just have access to the entire summit and watch at your own pace and take your time and go through it, however you feel guided to, you can purchase a ticket and get the entire library of over 30 interviews, plus some other free downloads um, that way. Now, the thing is right now, um, I told you the official launch is November 11th, but right now you can get all access for the early bird special, which is 70% off. So right now, if you want to go ahead, get the entire summit, start watching the videos and go at your own pace. It's about $57, I believe, and you can also access that. Go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com. And again, on the homepage, you will see the option to get the early bird special. So the early bird special just gives you free range, all access, and there is a lot of content. So as I mentioned, I had the opportunity to co-host and it... um, Within that, I interviewed, well, I hosted 17 interviews. And within that, there were 22 people that I spoke to. And the conversations were 
incredible. There's so much for us to learn. But I think what's so inspiring about the summit is that it is global. So it's very diverse in, you know, the people that we meet with, the people that we talk to and learn from, but also such a diversity in focus within the realm of Reiki. So a lot of people are focusing on very specific things. So I had an uh, an opportunity to speak with, um, for example, uh, Tina Zion, who is a medical intuitive, but also a Reiki teacher and practitioner. I also spoke with um, Terry Hyman, who blends the Akashic records with Reiki. There are so many amazing conversations. Um, I'm thinking about Amanda Jane, who is the author or co-author of Women in Reiki. We had a beautiful conversation, but even, you know, I mean, I spoke with the two people who are anthropologists who are going to give us um, their lens about Reiki. Also the woman who co-hosted with me, she uses Reiki to support the Chicago um, police departments and There's just so much in there that will help you on your path, teach you, help you to learn about Reiki from another lens, but also just very inspiring the different points of focus and the ways that people are using Reiki to support just in all different ways. It's incredible. So anyway, you can get more information about that. Register, get your ticket on my website, theenergeticalchemist.com. All right, beautiful alchemist. So let's talk about today's conversation. I told you that her name is Rachel White and she is also known as the skeptical shaman. And so she is known as an unusual spiritual practitioner. She blends more than 25 years of high-level corporate innovation and strategy experience with a deep knowledge of this world of the esoteric. And she's making waves with all kinds of people within this realm with her fresh and pragmatic take on spiritual development. So Rachel is the host of another podcast that you can start listening to right away. It's called the Skeptical Shaman Podcast. And she's also the owner of Totem Readings. And her website is totemreadings.com. She also created a beautiful tarot deck called the Totem tarot deck, which we will show you in the interview, but there is so much beauty in her story and her background. You know, I'm always fascinated to hear how we all come into this work and again, what it inspires and unlocks for us each and our path of healing and transformation. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Rachel and I will see you on the other side. everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. Today, we are here with Rachel White, the skeptical shaman. Uh, Rachel, I always tell people I mean this sincerely. I'm thankful that you even took the time today to come and have this conversation because I think these types of conversations help so many people on our paths that, you know, so thank you for making the time for this. Well, thank you. And thank you for all of your, your previous episodes. I mean, I'm, I'm a listener, you know, it's that old hair club for men. Not only am I the president, (laughs) I'm also a member. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. That is so cool. And I just want everyone to know um, as well, we're going to get more into it, but you also have a podcast called the Skeptical Shaman Podcast, and we're going to talk mm-hmm. all about that. 
But one of the things looking at your body of work and your beautiful new deck, which I'm going to ask you about oh, as well, I was just so curious about what even brought you into this path, because it's very evident. It seems like there's this, this um, genuine connection and authenticity with you and like what it is that you resonate with, but there's absolutely, you have this very no nonsense approach to it all. So could you talk a little bit about what even drew you in to the different practices that you have? Well, I read tarot cards as a kid. I was a creepy goth kid, obviously, you know, it's still in there. I still listen to Bauhaus and stuff. (laughs) You can always tell when I'm happy, I'm listening to very creepy, dark music. It's a sign that I'm in a good mood, like Lydia from Beetlejuice or something. Oh, yes. Um, turned all that off, like went to college, actually worked full time, put myself through college. So, um, didn't come back to this world until I'd had a few very surprising experiences. And then it was all about curiosity. Like if this thing really happened and it did, I, there was one event in particular in my old apartment building when I was like a poor person living in a studio in Lincoln park. It's a Chicago neighborhood. And all of us on my floor in the building, we all observed different facets of the same um, supernatural event, for want of a better way of putting it. it. was undeniable. There was physical phenomenon, physical evidence. Like, this thing happened. And I just was immediately forced to go back to the drawing board. And that's where the word skeptical comes from. I think people view skepticism as cynicism. It's not that. It's actually the other side of the coin from curiosity. Yeah. where I became skeptical of my the previously held beliefs I'd had even the day before, where I was like a smug atheist. I was like, yeah, no, we're all from monkeys and <laughs> we're meat puppets. And when we die, there's nothing. And isn't that all nice? And then this event happened and it's the skepticism and the curiosity sort of in, in equal measure that move you forward. And as I explored, I just started doing things. I used to, I would go see a shaman. I'd be the client. I'd, I'd have an experience that I couldn't explain. He couldn't explain and it just was like this scavenger hunt of wanting to learn and wanting to do. And then Totem, which is my like spiritual business, my practice came about because I kept looking for a mentor in Chicago. And it, the issue might have been where I was living, right? Yeah. But, you know, expensive people, cheap people, everybody, different neighborhoods, suburbs, whatever. And I kept getting like, never meet your heroes, kid, mm-hmm. disappointed. You know, people, yeah. I'm paying them thousands of dollars for a workshop or something, and they'd be like, hey, can you help me out with my rent money? And I'm like, you're like 30 years older than me. And you're my spiritual like teacher. What like just getting that dose of reality the whole time, realizing skepticism helps you there too. Cause it's like I'm open-minded, I'm curious, but you're a person. Yes. And I that's why I started Totem. I was like, if I'm gonna learn, I'm gonna learn by doing. I'm gonna keep a very open mind. I'm gonna learn from my clients. And in fact, all of my current mentors you know, the people who provide me with services where I'm their client, they give me energy work, whatever it is, they started out as clients. Mm. And I've learned infinitely more from them and hopefully vice versa than any, any time I was seeking a, a guru or mentor in my early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think one, because of like having that skepticism, I think instead of the expectation that this was going to be something very in particular, because I think that is what um, brings a lot of disappointment for people on this path, because you see the surface layer of things. And it does, especially if we want to escape the reality of our lives and not realizing this really will just take you deeper into it. Yeah. So it's very interesting to hear that you 
um, had this skepticism along the way because it is very healthy, especially I think to your point with not putting our teachers and other people on pedestals and remembering that they're very much human and working through whatever their stuff is too. Yeah. That's, and that same with me. Don't put me on a pedestal. Right. Like the coaching clients I work with, I have a spiritual transformation coaching program. It's all individual work. It yeah. looks different for everybody. I'll say like, I will disappoint you. Not ultimately, hopefully, <laughs> right. but there will be moments where, and that's just human nature. That's me showing my humanness to you. Right. That's why the focus of the program is on the work, is on empowering you. So you're self-serving. And I'm not this middleman yeah. for you because I'm going to let you down. Yeah. That's how this works. I love yeah. that. I love the honesty in that. Okay. So you said, I, first of all, I have to point out, I love that you said you're like Lydia from Beetlejuice. I love yeah. that movie. I think everybody does. Right. Um, but you said you started reading tarot when you were really young. So was that mm-hmm. something that, you know, was a part of your family or you just no. happened upon them? <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, my parents barely knew I existed. <laughs> They don't have many beliefs, shall we say. I was a child of the early 80s, and it shows. Um, I also joke, though, like the best thing that ever happened to me in childhood was neglect. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't neglect, neglect, like grandparents made sure I ate, like other people made sure I was alive and stuff. But I was allowed to just be weird and be alone. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't overscheduled. And my father worked at a printing company, and he came home one day with like, free things from a client. They were traded like baseball trading cards, X-Men cards, and then a deck of tarot cards. And I just instantly gravitated to them. You know, the like savant thing of you just know what they mean without reading a book. And I was quite young and I thought it was cool with all the drama in my family to be able to get answers or truth because, you know, that was an issue growing up where adults distorting things and being in their own distortions and spinning spinning some stories that weren't necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Um, and to this day, I get triggered by BS. Yeah. And I think it's one of the reasons I love tarot and I love shamanic work, spiritual work is you can get right to the data, right? right. Where it's out of all the, uh, the propaganda, the human propaganda. So that makes me curious too, like how you view tarot. Cause it sounds like at an early age, like perhaps it was a companion in the way. In oh, a yeah. way, yeah, because, you know, like a lot of people think it's just this thing that you use to find out, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow or something like right. this. But because of that early experience, could you talk a little bit about that so that we have a broader yeah. view of them? Well, I'm not like as smart as the example I'm about to give. So I just want to state that for the record. <laughs> Trust me, my husband's tried to teach me chess and I think he's thrown some games just so we can stop because I'm just not that good. But I got very emotional watching the Queen's Gambit. Have you seen that on yes. Netflix? Yep. And it and it's when she's being interviewed and she's explaining the chessboard and you know it's this finite little universe and I know all the rules and it's this world. It, it it's a board game effectively with game pieces, but it's a world. It's a universe. It's a language. And I've never resonated so much with something. And I was like, that's like tarot. There's 78 cards, there's 22 major arcana cards. Like, you know, I have this neurodivergent thing with it where, you know, and what I love about it too, like chess is you can go and go and go your whole life. And there's no way you know everything. Yeah. And there's something exciting about always learning. So yeah, it was much more a, a, like a bigger presence for me than just a thing I used. 
I would read everything I could about tarot, different interpretations of tarot, like all of the above. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, as you're saying, I was thinking about the scenes where she'd be in the bed and having visualizing. Visual- yes. God, that was what was so fascinating to me, too, in that movie. But another thing, too, it makes me curious about and I'm asking you this because I hope that people will have a broader view of how they can use tarot and how yeah. um, it just can be a beautiful tool in your life. But you mentioned how, you know, whatever was going on in the family, you could go to the tarot and have more understanding. Yeah. So throughout your life, just through the journey, how has tarot, how have you been able to work with it in a way to have just like a generalized understanding about, I don't know, relationships or just anything that was going on with you? Yeah, tarot is a really awesome personal development tool. It is. And Carl Jung, who's like the father of Jungian archetypal psychology, would use tarot in client sessions instead of Rorschachs or other devices because he thought that the symbolism would resonate with the unconscious mind, the collective unconscious. And there was something about it that stimulated us to become more aware of aspects of ourselves we don't consciously look at. It's just the way the brain or the energy body or whatever functions. And so when you read cards, if you're doing it properly, you're not like reshuffling the deck to see if he misses you, you know, that (laughs) meme, which is my favorite thing. It's so funny, but you're doing it, you know, to go, oh, you know what? I have been doing that or I am prone to that, maybe lower vibrational behavior, or it's really about trying to get objective with the self, but not in a judgmental, Mm -hmm. moralistic way. Like, oh yeah, look at that over there, like pure data about you, even things like, you know, doing a past life tarot reading is about radical acceptance of yourself the way you are now. Yeah. Yeah. And going, oh, that's why I'm like that. Or that's why I have that thing about water or I don't like birds or, you know, whatever that is, it should be allowing you to just let go of, of personal judgments, but also hold yourself accountable. The more you learn about yourself, the more agency you have, like with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. So it's not just about knowing if the boy in class has a crush on you, believe it or not. No, no, no. no. And it's funny you say, because it's one of the things, first of all, I will say prior to being introduced to tarot was one of those things everyone said like, oh, it's so bad. It's evil in the cards. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times I think just based on the devil card alone, people are just like, don't touch the deck. Right. And once I was introduced to it and started to learn what the cards were, the meanings, the interpretations, all the things, it was fascinating. And I thought like, there's nothing evil about this as much as I could see how people could be afraid of the truth. So that's the part of it I think is very interesting. I think that um, tarot is a beautiful mirror and that we can't BS it. It's going to reveal to you what's true. It's just a matter of, can you see or hear are willing to work with what is true. Yeah. And by the way, there are a lot of quote fortune tellers, you know, mm-hmm. with the neon signs and everything yeah. that do operate on creating fear. Yeah. And they'll tell you you have a blockage and you have a curse. And, you know, I get clients who've been traumatized by those dynamics and experiences and exploited financially in some cases. Oh, so I ran into I, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think tarot unfortunately has developed the connotation of being evil in part because of proximity to some of that fortune telling kind of lower vibrational behavior with it. And it's funny in, in my deck, in, cause a client just got this in their reading, they got the devil card, but in my deck, I went full Carl Jung and it's just the shadow. 
Oh, nice. And it's like a, it appears at first to be black, but then if you really look at it, there's something in there, but you can't exactly see what it is. And it's meant to be a reflection of your more distorted, you know, aspects of self, your fears, the things that linger in the darker corners of you. I want to pull the devil like out of it because the devil too in tarot, it's usually like cloven hooves and that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And being theologically somewhat literate, the, you know, the devil, devil, Satan or Lucifer is a fallen angel, has nothing in common with something with hooves and horns. So it's all this like noise, these distortions yeah. and noise that are sort of like ignorant, perpetuate ignorance. And I was like, just remove it. It yeah. just freaks people out. There's no reason to have it in the deck. No, so. I agree. I made a deck too. And in my deck, the devil is the illusionist. Cause that was, I love yeah. that. Yeah. But I, I did. So I got your deck and I just want to show really quick for people who are watching the video. First of all, the packaging and everything is beautiful. Having done a deck, I know how much work goes into the whole Oh my process. God. Where were you when I decided to do this in a vacuum? Because everyone I've talked to is like, it's so hard. I'm like, I know. Why didn't I ask other people what it was like? I genuinely didn't. And no. I was like, is it always this hard? I really, I mean, that's one of the things I'm like, I went into it totally ignorant to the process. I thought it would be just so easy. No, Me it too. wasn't yeah. like- I commissioned an artist. And then even after that, I didn't realize I needed to work with a friend who was a, gra a graphic artist to, you know, do the formatting of the box and all the, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a lot. So it's a real pain. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. Thank you for knowing the pain. Decks, yes. No, there's a lot that goes into it. So you have this beautiful guidebook that goes with it, but I want to talk a bit about the imagery and your connection to shamanism. I mean, the images, I told you I was waiting until speaking with you before I actually used the deck. Yeah. Hathor. Um, but the images are so beautiful. So I do want to ask what inspired this to create the deck in this way. So the designer and I, her name's Emma Cook. She's actually a client of mine. And we just collaborated on this for a couple of years, just ourselves. And I was mainly doing it for two reasons. One is I was kind of getting sick of tarot. You know, if you read tarot cards for people almost every day, yeah. Even when I was still working in corporate real estate, I was, I was doing totem. You, you get sick of like, a lot of it was those Doreen virtue angel card kind of look, even if yeah. it wasn't her stuff. And there was nothing that felt modern or urban, you know, or that yeah. reflected the energy. I was working in downtown Chicago. Like it has its own energy to it. So we, we wanted to go darker with the background and things like that. And then also, I would literally sit with these kind of characters, these spirit guides for a time. And I would build a, like a vision board, inspiration board for Emma for every card. Wow. I mean, we, we, yeah, we went deep on it. This is not stuff you can do when you're poor and trying to buy food no. and work with, you know, I was in a good job at the time and I had the luxury mm. of, you know, for want of a better way of putting it, dicking around yeah. on it for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is a very long process. The artist I worked with, we worked by email of me sending descriptions, her sending yeah. sketches. It was a lot of back and forth. Um, it's interesting. You're creating you 80 individual art pieces with yeah. stories that have to be distinct but cohesive, right? Yes. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, a lot goes into it, but your deck is very beautiful and it is called the Totem Tarot Deck. The link, of course, will be in the description. But could you talk about Totem itself? Like why yeah. you chose this as a name. And then again, that that connection for you to shamanism and shamanistic practices. 
Yeah, and the deck's a little bit more shamany. Like where, you know, they they are these archetypes, they have stories, they're guides. You can use it to try and find guides and commune with them versus just maybe read your fortune. And and totem, the idea behind that is just like a totem pole, you build it from the the basement to the attic, if you will. There's always layers, you're always changing, you're moving through new things. And everyone has a totem. So the word totem is specific, it evokes something, but it's also general because everyone's is going to be different and that changes. And just the idea of like the prompting of the question of like, what's, what's your totem, mm-hmm. right? And one of the greatest joys of my life was watching Chris Nolan's movie, Inception. They all had those little things to spin or whatever that reminded them they were in a dream. They called them their totems. Ah, and they said, you're, yeah, your totem anchors you to reality. I was like, where I need that tagline I needed about 10 years ago. Thank you. It anchors you yeah. to reality. Yeah. So that's the inspiration. And all of my stuff just looks different. It's it's purposefully not love and light. Yeah. So primary <laughs> brand color is black. I wear black. I like black. I think black looks cool. Black's also spiritually and energetically protective. Yeah. It absorbs negativity. And and I feel like our world, everything in it is this West Elm white sterile thing now mm-hmm. and knowing what i know about feng shui white is like death it's the absence of things in feng shui like you don't want an all white room yeah, yeah. Uh, they they wear white to funerals not to weddings in most of the eastern part of the world so black it is you know I yeah. love that. And it's so funny, something you said too, you said, you know, the totem, how it really anchors into reality. I didn't see that movie, but now I'm curious. But just even the thought of that and how that in of itself must point to your work, right? Could you talk about that? Like in this, especially when you came into it and you're seeking and you have this curiosity, mm-hmm. what kept you grounded? Like what about it? Is it just your personality that you're like, I have to be very practical about this. Let me see. And what kept you kind of like anchored into your reality and not using spirituality as like escapism? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm just kind of allergic to all of that. And I always have been like, I was a real pain in the rear in Catholic (laughs) school. And I was like, but you're not making sense right now. Like I was that kid. Like my brain needs the feeling of like landing the plane on something we've all agreed to something or it's a disorder it means i'm disruptive at dinner parties like i'm not that chill to just hang out with but also you know what i've discovered recently too in particular in the new age or the woo community is there it's the same thinking models and the same thought terminating cliches that i would see in people that were religious without being very self-reflective yeah. And it's what bothered me about organized religion is this sheeple thing of, well, we don't really ask too many questions and we just do because when we die, we want to go to a nice place. It's like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me. Yeah. Um, like get paid now spiritually. How about that? How about I don't want the time sure I've never visited. And, yeah. and now it, it's gotten worse in the, the world of woo with, with our people lately where they're like it really dialing up the toxic positivity and like, well, you can't do that. You can't eat that. You can't drink that because that's not spiritual. And it's like, hey, if I want to join a religion, I'd go to the free one up yeah. the street right. where they wear amazing outfits and they do <laughs> shit in Latin and they put on a show and there's incense. Like I can go get that for free. So why am I paying you thousands of dollars in Bali 
to be told everything that's you know wrong with me while you sit on your uh what is it the the moral high ground kind of yeah, yeah. it's interesting because it <clears throat> points to I think about this a lot this instant gratification that we want and again yes. it just reminds me of this this desire to escape and having a willingness to just ignore what is true you know what I mean yeah. and I think for and it's strange. I don't know if it's because of social media and just the way things are in the world now. It can be easy to create an idea about mm-hmm. what this is and just gravitate to the idea. But again, I think for people who genuinely are seeking and then apply, like not just get mm-hmm. all the information, but apply and practice what it is that you learn, yeah. it's going to shake you up somehow, some way. Right. I mean, I, I don't if think- you're not using this stuff in your life, what are you doing it for? What does it matter? It has to be actionable. Mm -hmm. Like if you're working with a spiritual practitioner and you're not implementing things and your life's not, not without fits and starts, not without kicking up sediment or shadow work, but it's not over time getting better. Yeah. It's a sign that they're not very good at their job. Yeah. Things should be getting better, more interesting. You should feel more inspired, more connected, more aligned with your soul's purpose. Like any number of these things are not hard. If someone kind of knows what they're doing and they're equipping you properly. And I think it makes you even more curious, more curious about being in the life experience. So it kind of even goes back to um, this part with anchoring and reality. And the only reason I bring it up again is because I think it's very important for people to know, especially what we all just like have been Mm -hmm. on the heels on, right? I mean, during the pandemic and a lot came up for a lot of people and even still how quickly they all got amnesia though and went right back like nothing happened all those little self-revelation rebirth moments sort of dissipated real quick when it was time to go back to the office when it was time (laughs) to go back but then it's like but then then what right Mm -hmm. and so I think that's a lot of what you talk about what it points to again how do we really apply this and make it useful because then again what is the point so I, I would love to know um your relationship to the shamanic practices and how that has even helped with shaping or being a companion on your path? Yeah, well, I used all of these tools when I was still in corporate. And they help they help you with work, they help you with business, they help you with, you know, a corporate landscapes full of very shady people doing shady stuff. And it's cloak and dagger and people are very passive aggressive. So getting to, you know, through the veil, if you will, and into like intuitively linking up with things helps you navigate stuff. Like I just didn't panic when everyone else was panicking because I would say things like, I don't get fired. Not only that, I get, I get promoted. I get a better job and it would happen. If people go, how did you know that? I go, I just did. And it was no ego because I put the reps in. So this wasn't like a hope or a dream, Yes. nor was I vacillating in the other direction to fear one of the things I, I actually just did this yesterday and I don't know why, like yesterday was like, why haven't I been doing this more often? So we're always the worst, right. With our own stuff. I uh, laid down on my energy work table to do just a shamanic journey. Just listen to a little drumming music, put my phone on airplane mode. I was exhausted. Yeah. And that's really what prompted it. I just felt really low energy randomly <laughs> and had the, it, it, the journey, the meditation was visually different from anyone I've ever had before new totem animal, which was not an intention. It just sort of came up. It was incredible. And it, it just was an amazing gift. And I was like, yeah, that's why I do this. 
-hmm. and answered a bunch of like questions I didn't even fully articulate for myself. Right. And was like, yeah, okay. Everything's fine. That's way better than just a normal nap. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. But this is interesting with you saying that you started all of this, even while you were in corporate, because for some reason, and I think it's just, again, the desire to be able to make more time for this stuff. But a lot of us, um, whenever we come to it on our path, if we are already in like a particular structured lifestyle where we already have a routine, a lot of people feel almost like that takes away from, they don't know how to integrate the two or recognize how they're just like the living embodiment of their spiritual practice. So how did that like work for you? Did you just know, did you just recognize it? Yeah. And also I'm one of those people where I'm like, well, what else are you spending your time on? (laughs) This is where I get a little bit more stoic, right? That's why I always got along with British people at work. So I was like, well, (laughs) why are you complaining about it instead of fixing it? Like, it's just my wiring to me. I don't see them as mutually opposed to one another at all. What I see are people say they are very time scarce and I've suffered from time scarcity at work, but you always have windows and most people choose to waste time mm-hmm. on things that drain their en- energy instead of give back to them. So right. what I've noticed is like social media, I, I have to shut it off at least one day a week. I go on a digital detox. I, I just have a brain that likes information. It's, I'm, I'm not addicted to it at all because I don't really care that much, but I will find myself mindlessly scrolling. Yeah. Just like someone will mindlessly eat potato chips watching TV. It's about being present. And when you think about presence and everything I do, like that meditation was no more than 25 minutes. Yeah. What are, what else are you doing on your lunch break? Like, where are you going? Why can't you manage just a short meditation? Like I used to take breaks when I worked in this big, tall building in Chicago called the Aeon Center. It has 80 floors and I'd go down, there's a Lurie uh, butterfly garden, a prairie garden. And I would sit out there and I'd listen to shamanic drumming music for 10 to 15 minutes just to get out of the building. You know, I didn't have a cigarette break. Yeah, that's what I did. And then the other thing I'm big on is flower essences for this exact reason. I I started out as someone who thought they were BS and placebo mm-hmm. effect, and they're not. They were really transformative. I started taking Bach rescue remedy like 15 yeah. years ago. Someone at work had given it to me as a gift, probably because I was like, they thought I was going to explode from stress or something. And I was like, oh, these work. And I've gotten to the point now where I make them and I sell them in they work no matter what intention you set, what you're doing. And it's a great way to support someone who's busy energetically so that over time, there's just that gentle shift. Like they're a great gateway tool to shamanism. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about those too. And again, if you're watching the video, I think those are those beautiful bottles behind you. It's yeah. the only wall that doesn't reflect, which is why we picked this one. Because <laughs> I don't know how cameras and stuff work. And we yeah. discovered I have too much artwork up in the uh, house. And it was yeah. driving people crazy. Yeah. 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 Oh, I know all about it. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, and the bottles, the packaging is beautiful. But so what, once you were given this, right? And again, funny enough, of course, the skepticism, I say this because I'm the same. And honestly, even now years in, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, I know this sounds crazy. Even though this is what I do every day, I'm still skeptical as hell. Like people tell me the most interesting things all the time. And sometimes I'm just like, really? Like I, I am, I can't, that's just the way I am as well. But anyway, so once you 
got this and you were like, oh, I don't know, this could be some BS. Yeah. What was it about the tinctures or the flower essences that made it, you it got curious? psychedelic for me, oh, okay. which is I because I don't think I would have at that time in my life noticed an emotional shift. I don't yeah. think I was that tuned in to that stuff. But I saw the auras of plants about day three or four of taking it. Noticed that like, you know, and I was living in the West Loop of Chicago, there's trees, but they're, they're limited. It's not like where I live now in Austin and was really drawn to the green areas. And I was like, what? It, it, like, did someone slip me a little acid or something? And then to further test it, I went off of it. I stopped taking it and seeing those things that dissipated. Wow. And so I was doing like running a little, I mean, obviously not clinical trial or anything, but like a little anecdotal experiment with myself. And before I started selling flower essences to clients, I would gift them and I would take them. Mm -hmm. And I would just say, what happens? Like, what are you noticing? And I didn't try and color it at all because who knows? And one of the more interesting ones was the marigold flower essence, which I think I just ran out of yesterday, actually. So I'm like, note to self, I have to make more. Um, it's called Dead Grandma, Marigold, Day of the Dead, Halloween, connects you to like mediumship energies or ancestors, things like that. But when I took it about five days in, I noticed this really interesting nostalgic feeling. And I felt like I had time. And, and the closest I could come to is like when you were a kid and you weren't overscheduled and you were at home from work or from school and your time was just your own. And that was not something I expected. And several other clients said they experienced that too. And they go, it feels like before you go trick-or-treating. Yeah. You know, and the whole night, you, you don't have like a bedtime because it's Halloween, just this havingness. And I think it's because it connects you to the liminal space where the dead are. Because that yeah. place is not confined in time space. So these things make sense, but the experience of them first, you're like, that's fascinating. Like, I didn't think that was going to happen with this one. So I have two questions. <clears throat> so one, do you feel like when you ingest these tinctures, almost like the plants are in communication with you? Does it feel yeah. like you are? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's subtle and it does take a couple days of taking them. So like sustained use of flower essences is really how you get the value. It's not like a high powered tincture. Like yeah. I'll make those for my clients. Like we'll do a session. I send them like something they could basically use as a Molotov cocktail, by yeah. the way. Um, but these guys, they're more gentle, but I have to tell you, I've gone to sleep at night and had like cartoon dreams, like Disney Fantasia, of, like chamomile flowers with faces yeah. after I took the chamomile one. So there's something for sure happening. And the concept of it is number one, all that solar energy, right? Mm -hmm. That gets trapped in those flowers, those leaves. And I make some out of the trimmings from trees, mm -hmm. just like Bach does. The solar energy, but it gets configured in this very particular, almost like prismatic crystalline kind of way within the plant. They all have their own thing and that that analog imprints on your energy body. And so over time, you're moving more in that. They're giving you their little superpowers or capabilities. Interesting. Okay. So the other thing, now I have two more questions, but yeah. one. No, it's weird you, and it's awesome. I love flower essences. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds very interesting. And it's funny. I'm taking not flower essences, but some kind of tincture, their herbs um, yeah. for hormonal balance now, you know. Oh my God. I'm in a hormone balance yeah. Uh, yeah. purgatory myself. And I've started yeah. my friend 
is an Ayurvedic practitioner. I've been using Abhyanga oil. So I'm mm. absorbing herbs now through my skin too, yes. because of her. Shout out to Colleen. Yeah. But it's my first time taking something like this. You know what I mean? And okay. I'm yeah. amazed, amazed by, I mean, I've told all my friends like, you've got to try this, you know, yeah. but with what you're doing, one, do you have like a ritual of sorts when you're creating them? Like, what is that like the communication with them, your process? Well, so- Yeah, it's weird. Is it kind of prescriptive? Like, do people call you and say, hey, Rachel, this is what I have going on and you recommend a particular tincture or do you just kind of see what you're drawn to? Um, I'm curious about Dragon Lady. So I just sell them on Etsy, but I also offer consultations and those consultations include essences in the Mm -hmm. price of the shipping and all that. So people do it both ways. I want to just make them available to make them available just because of scale and like my time being limited. I don't want people going without. Also, I've made tens and tens of thousands of them by hand, by the way, this is my mental illness. If you saw the other room and (laughs) my friends came and stayed with me for um, the Equinox and we had had a party here and they were like, wait, but where do you have these made? I was like, I make them. And they're like, I'm like, I have a ketchup dispenser and a funnel. And they were like, what? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, it's entire days of my life listening to podcasts or audiobooks, just making flower essences. So their mothers live in jars with basically 190 proof alcohol in a dark closet for many, many months in my house. Before that, I plant all of them by seed Wow! in my garden. I grow everything. And so in terms of a process, I'm talking to things. I'm out there watering them. I'm germinating them. I take some in in the winter. We have grow lights inside. So they're like babies to me. Wow. And I'll serve them in nature. Quite. A, I mean, they're right there. And it's incredible what they're supposed to do totally mirrors the things that they exhibit as plants. Mm. Like the yarrow, which is, I have a, a flower essence called self-defense. Yarrow keeps other people's energy out of your energy body. Um, our garden snakes live in the yarrow now and snakes and, you know, shamanism are like medical protection, um, you know, healing, like all of this powerful, powerful medicine and seeing snakes living in the yarrow is like mind blowing. Wow. So I have to ask you about the one because I saw when I was looking at your site and I was like, I have to go back. I'm going to ask her first before I order, but there was one, I think it was called dragon lady. It's made of snapdragons. Okay. And yeah, so I was like, I have to ask her about that. The name alone drew me in. So snapdragon flower essence, just generally, and mine included, manages the mouth. So eating, like being intentional about what you're putting in your mouth, but also what's coming out, what you're saying, how you're saying it. But it helps you. It's really good for, in my experience, female business owners or practitioners, Mm -hmm. because it helps you be assertive without being bitchy. Yeah. Like it gives you that just right amount of I'm going to do this. So it's really good for going into times where a lot, there's a lot of client work maybe, and people are not doing so well. They're, you know, emotional, they're kind of all over the place and they need you to hold space and organize them a little bit and have good boundaries for their sake. Or if you're negotiating contracts or if you need to fire someone, you want to be you know, say what you mean, just don't say it mean. Got it. So I have a question then too. So let's say, for example, if I had five different tinctures, 
Yeah. Would it be that if I knew I had something coming up that I take it for about a week leading up to, or are these yeah. things that some people, are there certain ones that are just part of their daily? Both. So okay. I sometimes will take up to like 15, 16 in a wow. day of mine. Yeah. I'm getting high on my own supply over here. <laughs> um, those are during certain specific cycles. Okay. And I'll roll off of some that are standard and roll onto others that become standard. So like, I'm not taking newly minted right now. I'm not trying to get busier. And it seems counterintuitive. You're a small business owner. I'm not trying to make money. What it is, is I'm not trying to generate more right. of that churn. Instead of taking time is on my side, time to create time havingness. It's a thing I try to do as I go into fall, winter, every year. So when I get my big ideas, you know, as a spiritual practitioner, we have to do spiritual stuff too, or we lose our inspiration, you know, lose the fun of it, I think. And our clients aren't going to benefit as much. So I try and chill out and cultivate more time. So that's one example of one where I might take that through the early part of the year, almost every day, um, and then switch it up. And the other one I take almost every day is orange glow, which is made of nasturtium. Nasturtium is grounding, helps me ground, and it helps me not get addicted to doing. You know, when you have your own business, there's this weird fear. Because any, like my friend Colleen said when I interviewed her for my podcast, she goes, people don't think about it, but we literally don't know where our money's coming from. Yeah. Like next week or next month. We don't know. Right. That's what a service business looks like or a restaurant, you know, all these other things. So, getting out of that addiction to doing thinking you're controlling or you can work enough or whatever. And like, it allows me to stop working at the end of my work day and start being like the nasturtium has this whole energy of your worth is not what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like you have worth. So that's sort of that message from that particular flower. Yeah. It sounds like I need that one. Cause I will work on weekends too. It's like, it's just become, yeah. I, I have to consciously, tell myself to stop and walk away. I mean, I really, anyway. And the economy is not doing well. Anyone who says it is, is I don't know what's going on in their life, but it's just, it impacts people's behavior, clients behavior. Um, It take, if people take more time than usual, same amount of money, then you have inflation as a business, you have expenses, you know, the flower essence materials cost more now than they did like raw materials than they did before. And so there's a grind and you can get into a weird um, famine mindset, not like consciously or anything, but just like, I just got to keep going. Like these squirrels trying to get all these nuts. And I like to make myself watch them a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, you guys look crazy. (laughs) I don't want to look crazy. Yeah. I got to sit down. And also I'm not in charge of everything. I'm not in control. That's such an illusion. Sometimes for abundance, you have to get into a receiving state too. Sometimes there's times for work and grind and there's times to chill the F out. Yeah. I have to ask you this too. And it's just because, you know, a lot of times when people, when we connect to this work, sometimes people feel like I have to just focus it to everyone else. You know, that whole thought of like, I just need to fix everything and everyone out there. Mm -hmm. And from what you've shared so far, I mean, it sounds like obviously you apply and you continue to work and continue to focus on your growth as well. Can you talk a little bit about what shifts, what happened to you? What did you start to notice changing in you with the shamanic practices, with everything that you do that even made you think, 
I should be sharing this with people. Well, when I was in corporate real estate and doing shamanism, like myself personally, but also seeing clients through Totem, at first it was just tarot readings for a while. Um, it, you begin to see how made up money is, how nonsense it is. And then you look at, around at work and you realize there are no real grownups in charge <laughs> of anything. It's not a meritocracy. People can fail up. It, they're confused about everything that happens in the markets. Like nobody's like, there are no grownups kind of, and that happens with this work. Like it's sort of peeling off the, the scales off the eyes. Yeah. Right. And then it becomes really hard to care about dumb stuff at work. Like you just can't get wound up the same way. I just, it, it turns the volume on the noise down quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but you'll, you know, in my case, I knew I would never be satisfied in that environment fully. Cause it's like, you know, what is the nature of God? What's the nature of our reality? Like I had these real questions that those are not going to get answered in corporate real <laughs> estate. They're not, um, by design maybe. And so that was a big part of my shift. And then the, the bigger part of the shift, like since leaving corporate and transitioning to this full time was thinking I had let all of the myth, the self-limiting beliefs go, all the fear, like I know how to make money, I'm fine. I grew up poor, I'm very self-made. And I would have moments, very spontaneous, almost trauma kind of responses around panic, around I have to go get a real job. Like you mm. see that fear come up, the real yeah, job fear. Yeah. Or I do what for a living? Like, do you know how crazy that sounds? What have you done? Because it's not like I had a, a low level job and it's not like I didn't make money. Yeah. Like, and there's a part of you and then you do your taxes and you realize you made just as much money. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like it. So it goes back <laughs> into your business, fun business fact, but just seeing that in black and white, and you're like, Oh my God, why haven't I been doing this for the last 30 years? Yeah. So um, it's always a process. People who act like they've gotten to the destination and they figured everything out. I, I look at them with suspicion because every day, every week, every even fuller new moon, you get a new energy kicked up. The work never ends. You, there's always something you have to look at. And for me, this fall, especially with the Libra new moon coming up on the 14th, my goal is space, allowing void, mm. because I think I need some adrenal uh, recovery. I think I'm still in adrenal fatigue chemically, and it's affecting my hormones because yeah. I keep going layers down in my in my physical health and realizing the only thing that fixes that is like yoga nidra is active practices that lower cortisol yeah. so that my, my adrenals don't use my hormones instead of adrenaline anymore. Let's fix that. Right. And I'll talk to people about this. They're like, Oh my God, I thought you were healthy. I'm like, I am healthy. <laughs> like, but you, there's always something, you know, not being neurotic about it, but let's put it this way. Like my hormones are not good. So yeah. I have to take accountability. I got to slow down. And as a shaman, I have tools. Mm -hmm. I have to use free will now to slow down, be less in the scarcity and be more in, in space and really a lot of healing. I mean, you're a Reiki practitioner. You do this work and talk to people. I found a lot of healing happens when you just stop doing the bad thing. Yeah. You just remove the negative stimulation. You don't need all this psychic surgery. You just need to stop causing harm for a while. Yeah. yeah, but you know, that sounds too easy. How could that be true? <laughs> well, you but know what that's... it takes? It takes quiet and time. And those yeah. things make me uncomfortable. I know they make my clients uncomfortable. I did I did a digital detox the other day. I did nothing. And my husband's like, good, do nothing. You know, and he was at home and I was like 20 minutes in. I was like, oh, I got ants in my pants. 
Yeah. I had to sit on my hands. The I, I would get an idea to do something. Oh, I have to go touch that. I have to do this. I have to. It's crazy what goes on in my brain. So yeah. I'm going to need quite a long time with this discipline to get to achieve anything. Let me tell you one thing that helps. I used to do this and I keep saying I'm going to get back to it. But for at least a year, I did once a month. It was actually longer than a year. But once a month, I would do a day of silence. And that was no computer, no device. Yeah. And I would have to, you know, tell my mom and like people close to me that I'm not don't even send me anything unless it's like really an emergency, but no devices, no anything. And just complete silence from the time that I wake up till the time that I go to sleep. And it really, it was amazing. Just like how peaceful it was in body. So there's a couple of things I do want to ask you about the podcast. I want to talk all about that, of course, but I want to know too about if I wanted to come work with you, Cause you do, you have all of these different tools and um, ways of supporting and holding space. What is it like? What can people come to you for like shamanic work? Do you totally just do the readings? Tar- yeah. Tarot readings, energy work, mediumship channeling. I read runes. That's a new one I added, even though I've always read runes, yeah. brought that on as a service and intuitive herbalism. So I'll meet with someone and we'll formulate a high potency tincture that's going to last them for a year plus. And I'm this winter, one of my big ideas for my empty day is I'm going to make some oils now, you know, and I emailed Colleen. I was like, Hey, can I copy your idea? She goes, Hey, Ayurveda is like 10,000 years old. (laughs) You're not copying me. And it won't be in that Indian tradition of herbs. It'll be like European herbalism, which is what I'm trained in, but making herbal teas and all of these things from things I've grown that I know are organic you know, even the oils that go in, because my husband's a chef, trust me, he'll give you a lecture about how bad seed oils are for you. You need extra virgin cold pressed olive oil if you're going to use it and all this stuff. And thinking through that, it, it my brain is happy with it. And I like working with people that way. Like, let's see what you need first. Mm. Right. Yeah. And then I also have a couple of coaching clients. I'm going to reopen uh, the program in January. And even though I started all at the same time, it's all individual work because I studied other spiritual coaching programs and I just felt like they were trying to put everybody in this one size fits all mm-hmm. thing. It's spiritual. Everyone's so different. Yeah. It was like, this is antithetical. So by like week three, everybody's off on their own tangent, basically. Yeah. And I love that work. It's, it's focused on people who want to do things like this kind of for a living, maybe not right away full-time, right. but start building that. And they know I'll be real with them. I'll tell them what I wasted money on, what mm-hmm. I regret, what I'm happy with, how this, you know, whatever. There's a lot of um, noise about social media. Like you got to have all these followers and all. I'm like, no, you don't. Right. I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't on social media until two years ago. And I only went on there to help promote the deck that I self-published. That was it. <laughs> and I had a busy business. Yeah. I know it's funny. People tell me that all the time too. Like, why don't you do? And I'm like, oh, I've never had to. It's not my favorite. I mean, I do it sometimes because I feel like I have to put certain things on there, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, the podcast is really what was my way of connecting with people. And it's just, that's what stuck. And it's so so authentic, your podcast, people really get to know you mm -hmm. in a way that's like trustworthy and, and interesting and I I started my podcast earlier this year just because I wanted to share the incredibly interesting people I meet through my work. I was like, you would not like, 
now when I go to a dinner party, I'm like, everyone's so boring because I have such a hyper saturation of interesting conversations in my life yes. doing what I do with Totem. And so that's really what it started as. And also I'm a heretic and thought criminal. Yeah. You know, in whatever community there is, I make everybody angry all the time because I'm not really a group person. And I'll be like, well, what's that over there? Why is that like that? Not rude, but, right. you know, so it it was a natural fit to have conversations with everybody. Like I did an interview with Ralph Starch. He was very sweet, by the way, for the record, and a Catholic exorcist. They made a movie about him. Eric Bana plays him in this wow. movie. He's written books. Yeah, I mean, he was a New York police department sergeant for his career. And I got like hate mail for the first really? time. Ever. It, was, it was fascinating. They're like, and he's, he's, you know, judgmental and da, 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 da. And I was like, he's Catholic. I told you guys he was going to, and he's an exorcist. <laughs> what did you think this was going to be? Like, wait until you find out what, what, you know, some Muslim communities think about the things in our culture. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's a big world out there and everybody's got different beliefs. And so I, a part of me, doesn't get off on that, but I know I'm doing something right when people yeah. are reacting like, whoa, I've never heard of that before or mm-hmm. whatever it is, these conversations. And, and I have a little disclaimer that says like sticks and stones may break our bones, but conversations about spiritual topics don't really hurt us. Yeah. You know, let's I talk love, about it. I'm so excited that this is the the framework around your podcast. And the reason I say is because, you know, I've been doing the podcast for almost wait what year are we in for 10 years and over the years I've gotten emails too which a lot of times it shocks me what people get upset about or what I said that they don't agree with and one it's like it, it fascinates me that people are so opposed to just different points of view I mean and me interviewing someone doesn't mean I agree with right by the way it doesn't as mean a Catholic exorcist he hates tarot. He hates right. everything I do that I built my life's work on. Right. And yet he and I are cool with each other because it, it, we're not converting each other. It's And fine. that's beautiful thing. That's, that's yes. what I love. And it doesn't mean you still can't learn from each other. That's the right. thing. I'm like, you don't have to agree with someone to be able to, you can still learn from them. You never know yeah. what you will hear that may expand your mind. It may wow you. Like it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So interesting. I know I got to go listen to that podcast, but so tell me some more, like what else? So was this the goal? You want to have these fascinating conversations open up in this realm of spirituality. Yeah. And offer an anecdote to me, the spiritual like woo new age world was becoming a bit of an echo chamber. The way mainstream media is the way politics is very tribal themes. You do this, you don't do this. And I just don't. I'm a bit of a heretic. I don't do any of those things. If you tell me I have to do something, we're going to have a big problem. It's just in my personality, right? My poor priest growing up, I'm sure he, you know, I aged him probably 10 years because I'd be like, but who was God's parents? (laughs) Like something doesn't come out of nothing. Like I was that person. Yeah. And I wanted to show people like we can dialogue like that matters to me spiritually. Like I don't have a political bone in my body. I can't wait to get to the times again when I don't have to pay attention to anything going on in the world. I miss those days where I could just talk to spirit animals and whatever. Trust me, this is not my beat. (laughs) But it just like it blew me away that people and people I know would go on like social media and then privately say to me like, yeah, I have to say that. Otherwise, they'll like come for me. 
Wow. And I'm like, this is a problem. Like, this is actually what happened during the witch hunts. Yeah. And as a witchy woman, I don't like the moral panic and the social contagion aspects of these things. So I like just letting people who are kind of spiritually homeless know it's okay to feel that way. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not doing spirituality wrong. You don't have to believe in, you know, a God with a beard to believe in God or, you know, you and I can also have different beliefs religiously or whatever and be friends. Right. And that's something that has really atrophied in our world. And it it pains me. Like it hurts my heart to see it. Like you don't have to be enemies with that person. Right. No, that is amazing. I'm so glad. I'm really, truly excited inside (laughs) because these are the conversations I think need to happen more. And I, I think it's good. Like when, if I hear something and it does make me uncomfortable, it makes me so curious about why the hell is that bothering me? Like, why would that make me uncomfortable? You know what I mean? So I think these kind of conversations are um, more necessary and they match to me the times that we're in, especially because I remember when I first started in all of this, a lot of people had a lot of shame around yeah. and some still do. I mean, you know, a lot of people still do, but a lot, there was a lot more shame around even having an interest in these yeah. types of things. And now I think when we're having these kind of conversations and people, it inspires some people to then feel like F that I'm going to own who I am. I'm going to own yeah. like what it is. My interests are what only pours back into the purpose of this work anyway. Like reclaim yeah. yourself, <laughs> get to know who you are yeah. and reclaim yourself. Well, listen, I didn't come out of the closet as a senior vice president of global strategy and corporate real estate as a shaman and a witch <laughs> to only then spend the rest of my life censoring myself yeah. and getting back in other closets. Like it's not it's the toothpaste out of that tube yeah. with me. So this is what it is. And I think spirituality and spiritual conversations, whatever they're about, like I have my friend who's a practicing witch on. Colleen, who does Ayurvedic health and all these things, it brings out the best in people. Yeah, it does. And and so unlike politics or even sports or some of those lower vibrational things where like people are very on edge from the jump, it it gives everyone a, a space to have grace mm-hmm. in the disagreement because it's still this uplifting topic. Yeah. This, yeah. this, this gives me another question I have to ask you, but you're also reminding me, um, I interviewed a woman who also identifies as a witch at the time it was during COVID and I was back East. I was in DC with my family and they just think I'm just the weirdo in California. They don't really think whatever, (laughs) but um, so that day when I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm interviewing a witch today. And they were just like, what, like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh my God, her writing is amazing. She's poetic. It's so beautiful. And it was like, it it blew their mind that what I was saying about her had nothing to do with their idea of what that title or label meant. But that also brings me back to you because I think a lot of times when we hear certain titles, like we hear shaman, we may have a very particular idea of not just what the person may look like, what they may dress like and and what their persona may be. And you are completely like down to earth again, this no nonsense and whatever. I wouldn't walk down the street and go like, she must be a shaman. I'm not a crystal hippie bitch is what you're saying. Yeah, no, you're really, no, you're not. (laughs) So I wanted to talk to you about that. Like for you, 
how does this translate? And how did you even like own that for yourself that it didn't have to look like what everyone else said it was supposed to be? Well, it's, I think this is where my neurodivergence kind of comes in. (laughs) I'm undiagnosed, but we're pretty sure there's something (laughs) going on where it never even occurred to me to be different. And I would teach these large group workshops, like meditation, guided meditations at yoga studios and things like that. And people would sometimes, it was, you know, always a certain type of person would say something rude to me. Like one woman goes, well, you don't look Native American. And I actually am. And also I look Native American. I mean, like I didn't get this from the Irish side of the family. You know what I mean? So something's going on. And I would just be like, well, I am sit down or like get out. Like, that's just how I am, which is not normal, by the way, it's not normal. And the other thing is if you're busy, if you're really busy, the last thing you're going to have energy for is the kabuki theater of things. And I just even in corporate, it was the same. Like, I'm a very like, let's do the work. Well, what's the work? What are we producing? What's the output? I'm, I'm always just focused on that instead of all the other things around it. Um, and it's funny because I think I draw clients to me that want someone who shows up on time who thinks through like at the end of a tarot reading, how do I summarize this for you? If you, if I could give you three bullet points to take from this, what are they in addition to everything else? Like they want that. They don't want someone who's like, you know, I'm just getting a lot of blue. Your aura is blue. They're like, okay. You know, that's very useful to other people, by the way. And with the coaching work, it's people who, you know, because we have a conversation before we mutually decide to proceed. And it's like, are you ready to kick up some sediment? Are you ready for some uncomfortable truths? I won't give them to you. You're going to give them to you. But like, I think people come to me because they they want someone who's going to be driving the bus and not a fellow passenger. I went to a Reiki event once, group Reiki at a yoga studio, and the woman kept crying, the teacher facilitator. And it was a, and talking about her life and like mm-hmm. things in her life and crying and crying. And I was like, all these people are sitting here looking mm-hmm. to you to help them. And right now they're, they're feeling the need to take care of you. And it just blew my mind. Mm -hmm. I was like, note to self, I'm never going to do that. One time I, I attempted to go to uh, therapy. This was before all of this work too. I mean, they could coexist, but I'm just saying that was a very long time ago. And that's what the therapist did one day. And I was like, whoa, oh my God. God. I was like, I don't think this is the way this is supposed to go. Yeah. I was like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. And it blew my mind. Everyone, when I tell them that they're like, no, that didn't happen. I'm like, that's absolutely I bet, what happened. I bet it did. It I've seen some crazy happened. stuff yeah. out there. And so if you're going to presume to be, you know, an authority, not a yeah. leader or a guru, but like a subject matter expert on something and people are going to come to you it's not really about you. Like you should have appropriate boundaries and self-respect, but after client work is when that's your time to process your stuff. And I just don't, I don't like the mingling. And I also feel like there's a certain degree of like the crystal hippie lady language and mannerisms that are like stage magician stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it's there to kind of convince you something's happening or snake charm you instead of just doing the thing. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent just of a different event that I went to. And I was like, did you feel like we were at David Copperfield? Like literally that was my, I was like, <laughs> that's not a good time. Like, yeah, but it is. So I have to say, Rachel, um, meeting you, but also just looking at your work and what you're putting out into the world. It's very refreshing. Cause I, I just feel like even with the condition of, you know, the world that we're in now, we yeah. just need to get to it. I think it's, yeah. you know, a time to kind of like, 
it's time to get through and past and beyond the fluff and really just get to the heart of what is it that we're doing? What's the purpose? How does this serve us? And how can we then grow and give back in our being yeah. from doing this work? Um, so there's a lot that people can do. They can work with you in session. They can have tarot readings. They can yep. do the shamanic work with you. You have the Skeptical Shaman podcast. And we've got to get you on there. Yeah. Um, let's flip the script come. and I'll ask you a bunch of like really intense questions. Oh, I'm, oh that's exciting. <laughs> oh, and I, I also have a sub stack, which is like my blog, my newsletter, but I post early previews of the episodes and things like that there for paid subscribers. I'm prolific because a lot of what I did in corporate was writing okay. and it's just totem readings on Substack. And wait, wait, what is Substack? Oh, it's the best thing ever. Okay. So it, I got drawn to it because I like independent journalism and mm -hmm. so independent journalists are writing basically their own stuff on Substack and it's wow. subscriber only supported. So there's no feed. You yeah. don't get anything pushed at you except for what you pursue and look for. And I liked that. Yeah. They're a total free speech platform. So I can write about whatever I want and they've been sued and they hold the line and they win those lawsuits. So wow. I know if things turn on witches or shamans, I'm safe there. Yeah. And it's just where I communicate about, I'll do tarot readings for the full moon every month. I write about, you know, like today I'm going to, or tomorrow, depending on when I finish it, write about how everyone's going through some weird activation symptoms. <laughs> Yes. Like all of my clients and I feel like we're tripping yeah. on mushrooms when we're dead sober. So something's <laughs> going on. I'm, I think I'm calling it like strange times. Yeah. Like, is it activation or is it a psychotic break? Like, let's look at this. What are your symptoms? Here's what I've been compiling. So it's where I communicate the most to people. And I care a lot more about that than Instagram, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, make sure, please um, send me the link to this. Yeah. So I can put it in the show description as well. And we can find out everything. So everyone listening, you can learn more about Rachel and her work at totemreadings.com. And then you're on Instagram at totemrach, R-A-C-H. Yep. Yeah. And so there's a lot of beautiful ways to connect with you. I can't wait to hear that one podcast though. Now I'm so curious. Oh yeah. Ralph searching. By the way, he's a sweetheart. He was like, I set you and your husband up with a traditionalist Catholic church there in Austin. They do a Latin mass. And I was like, I'm not going to go. But <laughs> from his world, that is like a yes, very nice thing. Very sweet. We should be taking things in that the spirit in which they're intended instead of having some kind of negative reaction. And maybe I'll go oh. one day. Maybe it'll be a real show. Oh, I, like a, I like a show once in a while. And yeah, it's just trying to engage different people and and lift us up out of the the nonsense and into more meaningful discussions and, and getting people some usable information. Like, what can you do to make your life better, to improve your wellness? You know, conversations I've had on the podcast are part of what I'm doing with my hormonal health. Like, it's yeah. super actionable. Right. So thank you. And send me your email so I can I get you on the Substack. I'll, I'll comp you a, a paid subscription so you can poke around. Oh, I can't wait to see. Yeah. You are very interesting. I know everyone listening is going to be like, gosh, this is different. This was definitely a different, you have a different energy about you, but it is very refreshing. So it is very Thank nice you. to meet you. Um, for everyone, the links to connect with Rachel are down in the show description, of course. And that's it for this episode, my love. I don't want to keep you all day. So thanks. Thank you so by. much. Thank you. All right, beautiful alchemist. I want to thank Rachel, the skeptical shaman for coming and having this conversation with us again today. 
Don't forget to tune into her podcast, the Skeptical Shaman Podcast. And don't forget to visit her website, totemreadings.com to learn more about her work. She offers energy work. She offers shamanic um, practices. She also does tarot readings. And she has that beautiful deck called the Totem Tarot Deck. Um, Rachel also makes those beautiful tinctures. So any of that that you want to learn more about, just go to her site, totemreadings.com or follow her on Rachel um, on Instagram under at totemrach, R-A-C-H. All right. So thank you so much again to Rachel for joining and sharing with us today. And for all of you beautiful alchemists who are interested in Reiki, don't forget that you can join us for the global Reiki Rays Healing Summit. It is the eighth annual summit, and you can get your ticket or register to access the information for free. Either way, you can learn more on my website right there on the homepage. Just go to theenergeticalchemist.com. I hope that you all are having a gorgeous week. I look forward to sharing with you again next Monday. Bye for now.